Welcome to A Week is a Long Time in Politics, topical political talk for A-level politics students. Tune in and join in the debate. Hello there and welcome to our debate this evening. I am joined by Kira. Hi Kira. Hello. And also by Angel, the uh, politics debating dog. Um, if you're listening to this on our new podcast, you'll wonder what on earth I'm talking about. But we have got uh, Angel there. She probably is going to want to sit down in a second, but I'm just trying to make her an internet star and, <laughs> and also make the make the video go viral. Go on, Angel. Anyway, so I mean, we have uh, got... Lettuce is trending, so you never know. <laughs> you never know, absolutely. Um, the We're in a very strange sort of... Um, time in politics and we were doing our sort of weekly politics news discussion um last week and i remember clive predicting that um liz truss and quasi kwartang would have gone before our next one and we were a little bit skeptical and he was right and so i don't want to worry anyone but clive did also email me earlier saying that he thought um Boris Johnson might. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to say anything more about that. I even said on the chat window, um, <laughs> well, you know, can we get through this without mentioning the uh, Tory leadership election thing? And I, I failed at the first hurdle. But um, we are actually this evening going to be discussing the House of Lords and whether we should abolish it. Of course, this is the sort of thing you could get an essay on, you know, evaluate the view that the House of Lords should be abolished, that kind of thing. But we want to have a proper lively debate. Um, we're going to debate it, but we'd be very keen to uh, hear what other people have to say about it. Meow has come in, Larry the cat versus Angel the dog. And Clive has said, make Angel PM. I, I agree. I think Angel would do an excellent job as PM. But she also is very, very restless. And so I'm going to let her um, get off now. But you never know. She might come back. She might come back for that. Um, okay. So... I am of the view <laughs> that we should abolish the House of Lords, that it's a, a ludicrous um, institution that is uh, anachronistic and should have been got rid of years ago. Um, Kira, I believe, thinks we should keep I mean, it. I'm pro, let's keep it. Why not? Why not? It if, it, if it ain't Try broke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're going to sort of help um, manage the uh, discussion a little bit by having a couple of um, things come up on the screen for those of you who are watching. Um, democratic legitimacy is a sort of theme we're going to start with to begin with. And I guess, you know, I'm in control of the uh, themes that this one helps me out a little bit, I think, on this first, uh, first point. Um, Kira, surely you would have to agree with me that... The House of Lords has no democratic legitimacy. The members of the House of Lords come from a wide variety of random uh, sort of reasons for getting there. So most of them are just appointed. So they're just it's just the result of patronage um, and potentially, you know, sort of corruption and things. If like people who donate to parties and things get uh, rewarded with a peerage, uh, you have still got some hereditary ones in there even after the reforms that we have had and then church of england bishops and you know sort of people left over from the the old system house uh, life peers from years ago um you know that none of these people are elected we're meant to be living in a democracy um 
you know, these people are in our parliament. And you have this sort of ludicrous situation, I would suggest, um, where, like, just this uh, just this week or last week, um, you know, uh, Keir Starmer was putting forward his nominees to uh, join the House of Lords, and it was people who were voted out in, you know, in these three years ago. Like Ruth Smith, what, she was an MP for four years, maybe three, four years. Um, but now she's a member of parliament for the rest of her life, if, you know, <laughs> um, just because of an appointment, even though you know, people in her constituency voted for someone else. Um, this can't be right, surely. <laughs> I mean, very good points. Um, I would say technically 92 of the uh, hereditary uh, of the peers are elected, the hereditary peers. <laughs> when, just, well, uh, elected by whom, Kira? <laughs> by a very small group of the elite. So no difference to selecting our prime minister. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I mentioned it again. Um, yeah. So yeah, of course, that is limited and having 92 hereditary peers and the fact that they're chosen by other people who are former lords or descendants of them, sorry, is obviously mm. problematic. I agree. Mm. Um, but I don't think the solution is to kind of do away with it. I think it needs reform. Um, and I think there is actually quite a lot of gain to the fact that the people aren't elected. And that's because if we're thinking about elections and electoral cycles, it's kind of every four to five years. And often with the way that we see in the media and the way that they kind of get involved when it comes to elections, it's not necessarily people choosing the best candidate, but maybe the most charismatic one. And we do need dull people in politics. And I think the House of Lords allows has a, for that. Has a lot of dull people. It does have a lot of dull people. <laughs> and that kind of does allow for um, kind of a wider group of people uh, to be involved and counter that uh, tyranny of the majority. Because mm. what they can do is they can think not just based on I need to make decisions so I get re-elected, but they can actually think a bit more about those maybe less popular decisions like uh, with triggering Article 50, the will of the people, the democratic mob wanted to trigger Article 50. Um, so uh, House of Commons just acted as delegates and did as they were told, whereas the House of Lords said, let's slow down and consider EU um, immigrants who don't have the right to vote. So let's think about how that benefits them. Oh, well, that's a very good point. I was, I was, I was going to start being sort of... Um like making facetious or difficult points then, but then you, you finished with a very good, very strong point. Um, I mean, before, I mean, of course, the, the House of Lord, the House of Commons did not have to act in that way. I mean, in, you know, if we take sort of Burkean um, ideas of representative democracy that, you know, they shouldn't act like delegates necessarily. They should um, do what they think is, is right and then, you know, take that to the country again in the next election. But you're right, that is what they did. And, yeah, that point about the tyranny of the majority, I think that is a fair point, although I think it is tempered slightly by the fact that the House of Lords does not really reflect sort of minorities in 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 the country. So they may have done that on this occasion, but for the most part it is a very white, privileged, male, L old um, <laughs> group of of people for the most part. I mean, obviously, the, I suppose one advantage of it being appointed is that you know you can create more diversity in it by just simply appointing people from you know underrepresented groups, and there has been a bit of that, but not. Um, it is still an unrepresentative body. 
Um, but yeah, it can it can have that that uh, role. I mean, I'll make my facetious point anyway. <laughs> you, 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 I mean, you often hear people who um, defend the House of Lords and I'll risk getting cancelled also who say that it's a good thing that we have a um, an unelected head of state as well, say that, oh, well, it's better it's better than if they were elected. You know, if, if we elected these people, then it's all short-termist and it's about charismatic, so it's a popularity contest and stuff. But, you know, that's that's an argument for dictatorship isn't it? that's an argument for not having a democracy for saying oh well you know we don't want you know yes elections are a popularity contest so that's kind of the kind of kind of the point but but, but you know it, <laughs> but but ultimately it's about um you know us choosing rather than people just either being there because of who their parents were or, or whatever or you know being chosen by sensible people unlike us arguably um clive has put would i accept life peers for a limited time say 10 or 15 years well i wouldn't <laughs> kira, kira might i'm making a very strong argument for abolishing it um i mean uh, yeah i mean obviously we wouldn't call them life peers then would we or something but yeah you could have a you could have a term couldn't you but mm-hmm. if you're gonna have a term why not elect them for that term i'll, I'll uh, come to that later though because i suppose yeah. they're I, I would say, though, it's you're right, you could argue it, it is a dictatorship, but surely when you look at the nature of the House of Commons anyway, uh, it is an elective dictatorship uh, <laughs> in the sense that we have the power to choose our politicians every five years um, or four, depending on when they choose, or maybe three, you know, <laughs> Sometimes um, every six months or so, it just depends on what's going on. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, so, yeah, we do, do we kind of just select them anyway? And they, they mm. kind of represent us in one way, but whenever they're representing us, they're always looking for the next election, always pursuing majoritarian policies, uh, rather than thinking about what's good for the country as a whole, are they starting to think, as one Conservative MP said yesterday, just starting to think for themselves and not what's for the best for the country? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, I think it would be perfectly reasonable to say, from my perspective, certainly, that um, Parliament isn't democratic enough. But I don't mm. think the House of Lords makes it, <laughs> you know, is, is a force that makes it more democratic. You know, I think we could, we could make make both houses more democratic but um you know perhaps the house of lords is the one that um is most sort of blatantly obviously uh, or clive's asking if i would abolish would i still advocate a second chamber to hold the government to account i wasn't sure whether i was gonna i think we'll talk about that later when we get we're gonna have mm. a, a thing about scrutiny and all that kind of thing and i might i but i mean just briefly i'll say i'm not necessarily making a unicameral argument here um i'm not I, you know i think there is a a case for a second chamber um but we'll come on to that in a moment meow has said though the house of lords are appointed or hereditary the majority at most are senior in there and would know what's best so would removing them mean removing advice for the house of commons it's evidence house of lords were stayers for brexit or remainers um shall we talk about that and then shall we shall we actually move on to the next bit? because i suppose both of these points lead yeah relate to the next point that we're going to make i mean while we're doing that i suppose shall we just uh ask people quickly just on based on the arguments so far which way you're swaying it's not necessarily have you been convinced more by uh <laughs> by me or, or by kira but um 
you know, just based on the arguments we've had so far, are you leaning towards, um, oh, let's get rid of it, or no, it's a good thing to keep it. But we have got this um, sort of other point here, scrutiny and expertise, which I think is the point um, Meow was making there. Um, you know, that there are these people who've got expertise. I'll let Kira kick this uh, part of the yeah. discussion off, though, because I think it leans more towards the keeping it <laughs> end of things. <laughs> Yeah, so I think when it comes to things like legislation, it's obviously important to get it right and to try to consider all people in society. So if we're thinking about it passing through the House of Commons, it goes through that kind of one element of scrutiny uh, debated by MPs and then, of course, uh, within the select committees. But the House of Lords offers a powerful second option for a different group of representatives they might not be elected but they are representatives in the sense in theory um that they are in theory appointed because of their expertise in um in society so for example baroness lawrence her her appointment there is because of her um, expertise in fighting for racial justice after the tragic murder of her son and the police kind of cover up so she's a quite an Im impactful person to have there and she can come in and talk and give her kind of opinion on things like uh, racial justice so rather than it being these temporary mps who have very little experience in the real world uh, some do but most kind of our career politicians you have people who have had their careers who have that expertise offering scrutiny and re review of legislation okay do you think that's who the public want to have in parliament people with experience and these i assume you do yeah so, i'd say so yeah so therefore wouldn't they elect them to parliament, to parliament were they given the uh, chance to do so i would say in theory if we mm -hmm. had a country with a very good education system in the sense that time was dedicated to learning politics then maybe the, the problem is be. that the public are thick. This is... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm just saying uh, the public haven't been given the luxury uh, mm. to sit and think about politics mm. in the same way that obviously people studying it um, have. So I think if we're thinking about just having an extra vote, that's going to lead to things like voter fatigue. And mm. when people who have full-time jobs and everything to worry about in their own lives uh, when it comes to even just a general election, they're not sitting through and reading through manifestos. They're not looking, <clears throat> the majority of people aren't looking through voting records. They're choosing their, their politician based off of who's come out better in the press, right? Who's been portrayed better. So I think... Or just by party label, I suppose. Yeah, yeah party yeah. labour. So, mm. so label, sorry. So who's kind of coming out better within... Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. The way that the press is presenting each political party, like people would say, "Oh, I'm not going to vote for Labour because I don't want Jeremy Corbyn in power," but the really the system asks you to vote for your MP, right? Which is obviously a whole different uh, thing. Yeah, I mean, this isn't what I would propose necessarily for a, a second chamber, but if that was what people wanted, and they wanted experts from the fields of education and medicine and science and um law um you could ask those professions to elect representatives and at least then it would be a a, a bottom-up system mm. right i mean why i mean i know there there's a sort of committee appointments committee 
that that sort of uh, deals with these things. But you know, when Boris Johnson appoints sportsmen, for example, to the House of Lords, mm. I, I don't think it's just coincidence that they're they're often quite conservative sporting <laughs> sport, sportsmen, <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. You know, um, or you know, or when. Uh, Labour does that, you know, I mean, Clive's mentioned crossbenchers such as Robert Winston. And I think, you know, it's, it's a good example of a, you know, expert in the mm-hmm. House of Lords crossbencher. But I think when he was appointed by a Labour government, he was he was something of a sort of new Labour supporter, even though he, he didn't go onto the Labour benches. So, and you know, sometimes people are appointed just so they can become a minister or whatever, aren't they? I remember, was it... Yeah, Dig, and that's Dig, the thing, Dig, they can... Digby, Jones, Dig, yeah. Digby Jones, I think it was, wasn't it? And, um, you know... Yeah. Um, so, it's a very top-down process, isn't it? I mean, you know, are they the best? You know, are the lawyers that are in the Lords the best representatives of the legal profession? Mm-hmm. Are the teachers the people that we, we as you know, teachers think represent us? Or are they the, the establishment safe choices that will do what the establishment wants to happen yeah yeah i think i almost think you're agreeing with uh unelected second chamber <laughs> i'm not i'm not i'm just i'm, I'm just uh considering that there could be there could be different ways of electing it you know that yeah it doesn't have think... to be a direct election in the same way as the house of commons it could be could be various things yeah and this is the it. issue what what tends to happen is people at the moment are paying um for their peerages um, well, yeah, Clive's mentioned Lord Crudas there. Hasn't yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, Tory donors Tory don- um, mm. getting titles, and that's obviously wrong, and it's not the point of the House of Lords. And who's kind of at the crux of this problem? MPs, those people that we elect. <laughs> so really, they're so fantastic. We should make double the amount of them. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> effectively, yeah, I think changing the appointment process so that it's more in line with how the judiciary operates. I think would be actually much more powerful in the sense that it's people from the profession choosing who the right person is. And there should be amount an amount of lawyers. There should be amount of uh, teachers, doctors, nurses, those key bin men, cleaners, mm-hmm. bin men, cleaners. Yeah. But, so, yeah. I mean, but, but ultimately, where do you, you know, if we're saying it should represent or reflect society generally, do we decide it's just the professions or do we, you know, how do we... Because it's already a very big, ungainly house, isn't it? I mean, there's 700 and nearly 800 people in there. It's not quite as big as it was when it was when all the hereditary ones were in there. Um, but it's an enormous thing. So if we're going to say, oh, well, we need people who who will speak for the, um, you know, cleaners of the cross-channel ferries and whatever, whatever, whatever everything, you know, it, it ends up being, you know, that that would be too cumbersome, wouldn't it? So. But they don't come all the time. So no. they'll only be there if there is a conversation about that or a debate, sorry, about that, if legislation's about that. So it just yeah. allows, like if there's a legislation being passed about education, it just allows mm. a second opportunity for for that to be checked over by people who have worked in it rather than people who mm-hmm. just have ambitions and want to be prime minister because they're turning out great, right? <laughs> but I mean, there are other opportunities for, you know, interested parties because really we're talking about interest groups here aren't we essentially or uh, you mm. know um sectional groups essentially i mean why you know we've got we've got organized we've got the law society we've got the national education union we've got these bodies that 
speak for for these groups um you know they can they can put pressure on politicians they can influence politicians already there's already that um you know ways in which they can scrutinize and make and mm. have a have an impact um and in neither case do they have a sort of veto essentially you know the the lords you know may well do this marvelous job of scrutinizing and and and, and debating and discussing but ultimately the commons you know rightly because it's because they have the democratic legitimacy going back to the previous debate ultimately the commons can override them um mm. so you know do we need that to be formalized in a in a in a, in a chamber in parliament or do we just say well you know we need you know interest groups to be listened to properly in a pluralistic democracy um yeah i think that's probably harder to achieve um because with interest groups obviously you have your insider and outsider ones mm -hmm. um and obviously the national education unions less popular with the conservatives um so they won't get a seat at the table they won't get the opportunity to discuss in the same way uh, the national farmers union would so i think the house of lords kind of being it's not equal and and you're right it shouldn't be because it doesn't have democratic legitimacy um but having a way to publicly disagree with the government with uh, the house of commons i think is quite powerful and it does stimulate debate so when the house of lords talked about article 50 and said that it effectively wasn't fair on eu migrants um the press obviously pick up on that and people become more educated on that issue, mm -hmm. which is obviously good for democracy. Um, and the people didn't agree with it. There was no extra pressure put on the government. So the bill uh, still passed. So Article 50 was triggered despite mm -hmm. the concerns. Yeah. I mean, other groups, I mean, I suppose I'm, I was kind of repeating the point from the first section that it is it is kind of establishment voices still even if it's a different mm. a different establishment voice um you know you wouldn't say for example see just stop oil in the in having their members in the house of lords you know sort of mm. after they've gone and thrown tomato soup at the van gogh painting gun gonna <laughs> sit in the house of lords or what have you say so, um so these voices aren't necessarily being heard through this process i mean i suppose this is the time just to go back to clive's point about the second chamber I, i'm going to sort of say now that i'm not making a kind of unicameralist argument because that i totally agree that the commons requires scrutiny and um you know it's too easy to pass legislation um in the commons you've got your inbuilt mm. majority for the government um and so i do think having a second revising chamber is a good thing but i would replace the house of lords with an elected second revising chamber and we could debate what that would look like and how it would be elected and whether it would be elected in a different way um from the the commons and i think there would be arguments for it being done in a slightly different way because otherwise you might just have i mean sometimes if there was huge huge overwhelming support for a particular party and program you might have an inbuilt majority in both houses but that would be the democratic fair outcome but you know ideally you'd probably want there to be some some differences between the complexion of the two chambers so that it, you didn't just get everything railroaded through very quickly through both houses. Yeah, I would probably disagree with that because I think the strength of it is the fact that it hasn't got democratic legitimacy. 
Um, and we're talking obviously just hypothetical. Mm. Uh, but if we have this situation where the House of Lords and the House of Commons has equal democratic legitimacy, we're going to end in parliamentary deadlock. So the power is that the House of Lords will consider the revisions, but they don't have to accept them and they don't have to accept them because they have legitimacy. But if we get into the situation where both uh, chambers are equal, we will just have parliamentary ping pong. And yeah, you're, it's right. It's too easy for the House of Commons to pass legislation, um, but it, we don't want it to slow to this extent that Parliament becomes an ineffective uh, body. But I think, and, and obviously you see that in in the uh, in America, don't you? With um, you know, you can have gridlock and and that, that sort of situation where different parties control the two the two uh, chambers, and then you end up with problems, or or with the presidency having a different party. But they've deliberately made it that way to make it difficult, essentially, to pass legislation to avoid, um, you know, executive dominance, what have you. You know, this is that problem of equal equality coming through legitimacy is a is is a problem of our uncodified constitution, isn't it? But if you, you know, if we codified that constitution to say that this second revising chamber does is 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 ultimately second to to the commons and the com there are you know clear processes that the commons can use um you know then then you, you don't have that problem even if it is elected i mean i think there are problems so if you for example decide to elect the second chamber with proportional representation and the and keep the commons as it is people say oh have we got a stronger mandate you know is this a more democratic chamber and therefore should be listened to more but ultimately if you wrote it down <laughs> said this is the role of the commons this is the role of the lords this is where the power of the lords well it wouldn't be called the lords whatever we call it i don't want to call it a senate but, but whatever it is house of the people or whatever it is um you know this is uh this is where their powers end they can't do this mm -hmm. then they can't do it so I know that's making another case for a codified constitution, which is probably a debate for another time. Yeah. But, but 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 I I agree there that that danger is there if you don't codify what the limitations of both chambers' powers are. Mm, yeah, and I think the idea of moving to a codified constitution might be more problematic. Um, I'm sure we'll. I'm sure we'll. The thing is. I'm sure we'll have another debate on that sometime. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can imagine that's coming, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I think uh, the, the issue is, is we need, with the way British democracy has worked, is it's something that's kind of evolved and adapted over time. And I think just the term House of Lords, if you think about traditionally, it was the dominant chamber and how that mm -hmm. changed and, and evolved and adapted. Yep. I think it still has more, more room to grow. Uh, and it would be kind of wrong to to abolish it completely. Yeah, interestingly, Clive's put there. House of Lords is the last bastion of protecting rights. For example, until last night's well, the Braveman and the right to protest. Although, has it done that? I mean, surely the courts are the last bastion for protecting rights, aren't they? Rather than the House of Lords. Yeah, I mean, to some extent, and the courts are incredibly powerful and they're very useful. Um, mm -hmm. But the issue is with the courts is it's harder. It's more so in reaction to something after it's happened, mm -hmm. but also it's it's actually harder to bring a case to them in that sense. Yes. Um, whereas with the House of Lords, it's acting before the law has passed, yeah. before the damage is done. 
Yeah, and and there is also the risk because I'm obviously pitching my elected second chamber in a world with a codified constitution that I would also want to see some uh, codified rights there as well. But um, that, but again, that's 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 <laughs> that's our, that's our next debate, isn't it? So that we we won't uh, we won't uh, discuss that one now. I think we we might have covered quite a lot of this, but it's probably worth mentioning as well before we kind of. Uh, sum up and see where see where our viewers are on this issue. I don't know if I can put a poll. I don't think I can put a poll in the uh, in in the in the chat window. That'd be quite nice if we could. But um, they yeah, look, Clive said, look, the Lords div diluted some of the crime and policing bills, so they did have that impact there. That's that's interesting. But um, I think we have mentioned the role of cross benches and it being less party political. Um, so there is this idea that the Lords is is more independent of the parties and particularly I suppose the party of government and therefore less dominated by the executive and also this idea of continuity because I mean some of the polls that we're seeing at the moment obviously people might be watching this at any time so you don't know exactly when we're debating this if you're watching this in two years time or six months time some of our references might say what, what they're talking about but um just just so you know, um, <laughs> Liz Truss has resigned today um, and there are some opinion polls over the last few days which have shown a potential for a massive change in Parliament, in the House of Commons. Um, might not happen, we could be two years or more off, off, off a, a general election, things might not change anywhere near as dramatically as polls currently suggest. But if it were to, that's a huge change um, overnight, isn't it? Suddenly you've got not just a change of government, but you know, suddenly a massive majority um, and, and everything changes. And so th th there's potentially an argument for some continuity. The Lords would change more slowly um, than the than the Commons. But it shouldn't do, should it? Because <laughs> that would be the reflection of the democratic will of the people. And so, you know, what's good about, why is continuity against against public opinion a good thing? Well, I'd say like when we think about democracy, you do have that element, which is obviously the will of the people, but it's not the only thing. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously people being able to have choice is, is very positive and very good. But the idea of the continuity is to be kind of these um, bastions of rights to try to make sure that the government of the day doesn't kind of betray some of the kind of things that we've always had um, in society, like the right to a fair trial, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and it's powerful in that the fact that it's independent so it's obviously independent of the pressures of just saying populist ideas to stay in power um so they can actually genuinely vote based on their expertise and, and what's good for the country um but also like you mentioned independent of uh, their political party so they can't be kind of forced into partisan uh, politics they can't be forced into trying to be trust uh, sorry trying to be delegates um, and instead they can actually be trustees which is not a perfect model for government of course but that's why we have both so we have the trustees who f vote based on their judgment they make decisions and use that expertise effectively because they are actually experts in theory although obviously they're either experts or super rich and dropping some money to the right places or, or just a retirement home for mps who for, for failed politicians <laughs> arguably yeah which is being in the bad from the house of commons <laughs> that does need to change um but 
it, it, at least in theory and like it's different to the practice but in theory this independence can be better for our democracy uh, because they don't have the final say which is crucial um but they can actually offer alternative ideas and expertise uh rather than catch-all policies yeah you could potentially deal with some of that for example you know i don't i'm not suggesting we copy wholesale the american system but if you had something like um electing a third of the second chamber at a time whatever then you you get that continuity or more of that continuity than than um you would if it was elected at the same time as the commons entirely um or you could have longer terms or both you know you could have you could say people are in for are in for 10 years once they're elected i mean i think that's potentially problematic but as long as there was a way to remove people if you needed to um yeah do you think we've headed towards a conclusion here <laughs> it's, an, it's, an, it's an interesting yeah. one i mean we we normally in a level politics and particularly i don't know people do different examples and things but i mean certainly advice from ed excel is towards having a you know a clear conclusion coming down coming down on one side of the fence or the other i do feel there's a we've been sort of skirting along the area of the house of laws requires significant reform <laughs> not, nec <laughs> not necessarily abolition which does sort of you know it's one of those halfway houses yeah, we should be trying to avoid extreme and i think that's maybe one of the the main things with the 2016 reforms is the questions got less extreme they got a bit mm -hmm. more nuanced mm. uh, which does make it a little bit harder to <laughs> argue but that, that's why the question is important so if mm. it's abolished the house of lords then obviously we can talk in in those terms but if it says reform then what, what you reforms? need to think yeah. yeah what reforms yeah what sort of reform would you want to see i mean while we've got um some of you still watching i hope we've <laughs> we've kept you with us uh through this uh, half hour or so's discussion which i found very very enjoyable thank you kira for mm, yeah, thank you. um and don't worry this isn't you passing a judgment on our debating skills but what where where are the where are the viewers at who who agrees with me that we should abolish the House of Lords and replace it with some some new elected body? Anyone agree with me? Or who agrees with Kiri? You can just type in D or C for <laughs> who you agree with. Or, or keep 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 or abolish. Is it? Um however you want to do it. Or is everyone on the fence? You're not allowed to be on the fence. You've got... I'm not allowed to be on the fence. Make a decision. <laughs> you got to get Even off the. <laughs> got to get off the fence and make a decision. Okay, we won't hold you to it. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't. This isn't a real. Uh, it isn't a real um, uh, referendum. But imagine if it were. <laughs> How would you vote? <laughs> Say, yeah. yeah, there's a referendum. Gonna get yeah, rid of the lords. More, more referendums. <laughs> That might be another debate for another time. If you want to suggest, if you want to suggest some um, some other debates for us, uh, another time, do Meow said, "Oh no, I think to a referendum." Oh, to a referendum. Right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> or to have more Not referendums. More debates. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to suggest other topics for debates that we might have in the future, you can post it now or on the main comments thread of this video if you're on YouTube. Um, we can come back and have a read, see what you suggested. But other than that, I think we have finished for today. We are, we really ought to reach a conclusion. But obviously, um, 
uh, I don't think either of us has quite persuaded the other <laughs> of our of our viewpoint. Yeah. Um, while we have conceded some uh, legitimate points on both sides, Clive is saying it needs reform, but may um, but hybrid with some elected and some appointed, but not based on PMs, etc. Okay. It sounds an awful like on the fence, doesn't it? That is a very on the fence conclusion, <laughs> anyway. Anyone over twenty one can self nominate to the Lord. You could have a have a we have like jury service, couldn't you? You could just let everyone have a bit of Lord's time. At the moment anyone can be Prime Minister no. or Chancellor <laughs> uh, or whatever. Have you uh, jury service? <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Um, no. Meow, oh right, Meow was saying no no to typing DLC, didn't want to come down on, on the didn't want to to uh, to, 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 and to I think that there's merits to both sides. I mean, personally, for me, I am maybe actually in the middle of it, um, but it's just actually about trying to make sure you appreciate both sides. Yeah. And for the exam, just say you have an opinion on it. Like, just say <laughs> yeah. what your main one is. Um, yeah. I actually have been doing this thing with my students recently, which is asking them to write just a note to themselves about which side that they're on for the question. Um, that way they say focus on what their mm. argument is um, and yeah. that's quite important Clive nominates Duncan to go to the House of Lords to be a Lord I, I, I could yeah. I could I could destroy it from within um, that... <laughs> <laughs> that would show. be all right yeah. Um, or, yeah, or, or Angel could be a Lord a lady yeah oh could. a lady yeah yeah um, Baroness Angel of Cross Hills there we go um, okay I think we're gonna finished there thank you very much for all your uh contributions nice to get some contributions from from the viewers as well as uh, uh um our so it wasn't just us um arguing with each other we're gonna do this again so i think next time we'll have a week off next week for half term but i think um next time we're doing another news what's been going on in the news thing and i, I imagine it'll be a slow slow couple of weeks yeah, don't you think i can't much. i can't yeah. see a lot can't see a lot happening over the next couple of weeks very, very quiet time in politics really um and then we will do another one of these debates we'll have a look at what you've suggested other ones we might consider uh um should 16 year olds get the vote should we have a a codified constitution should we change the voting system to a proportional representation system but you might have some other suggestions that we could go for is the prime minister too powerful <laughs> <laughs> that's our next one that, one, that one's nicely topical yeah um yeah. okay, okay. Um, five years ago i would have said yes now i'm just not <laughs> sure about absolutely everything that could be the debate yeah. who's the next prime minister who's the next yeah. prime minister well there's a there's a question shall we shall we shall we speculate now before we sign off who do you think is going to be and then we can listen back to this in years to come and think how wrong we were who do you think is going to be the next prime minister oh, kira Oh, oh, okay. I'm, I'm on, I'm on the fence. I think it could be <laughs> Jeremy Hunt. Or Je Jeremy Hunt's already ruled himself out. Jeremy Hunt's already ruled himself out. So I, I, I'll, oh, I'll, has he? Okay. Yeah. Right, uh, incidentally, if you're think... watching, do suggest type in your thoughts as well. I'd be interested to hear yeah. what then anyone I, else I think is. this is this is a crazy one, but it doesn't mm. seem unlikely. And yeah, I, I mean, I can't say my opinion, can I? Um, no. But uh, I think it might be Boris Johnson. I think he might have come, might be coming back from his holiday. Yeah, I mean, people saying he's taking soundings for leadership, but isn't he in the Caribbean? Is he like, he's just on the, he's like on the phone or on, on a Facetime, <laughs> taking soundings? I mean, it could, you could Caribbean be right. 
working, but that I mean, yeah. no, I don't have an opinion. No. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go. I'll go with Penny Mordaunt, but I, I, I. Uh, um, part of it will be whether the MPs can come up with someone that will avoid the members having a vote. Um, if if the members yeah. are offered Rishi Sunak versus Boris Johnson, I think Kira could be right, but we will. <laughs> <laughs> we will yeah. see what we will see what occurs okay thanks everybody very much everybody great to see you all see you thank you Cheerio. bye bye a week is a long time in politics has been brought to you by tutor to you politics for all your a-level politics resources and revision workshops